Hey, we're in a series called Jesus at the Center. We just started last week, and if you were not here, we want to encourage you, go online, go to our YouTube channel, look up Shine Church CO for Colorado, and you'll find all of our messages. But I would encourage you, go online, listen to last week's message, and just get caught up to uh, kind of the heart. I did an introductory message, and then we talked about the importance of prayer. What we're doing is we're going into the Gospels, and we're just kind of pulling out stories about Jesus Christ. Uh, did you know that the Gospels talk a whole lot about Jesus? There's a whole lot of uh, information about Jesus Christ in there. But here's something that I really kind of uh, struggled with this week and, and actually conceded to in regards to just studying this, and that is this, that when you're looking at Jesus of the Gospels, it's really hard to just stop right there because there's great stories about what he did and who he was and what he taught, but Paul and Peter and the other authors of the rest of the New Testament really do a really good job of explaining practically what that looks like for our lives. And so um, as we just continue in this series, I, I think it goes beyond just looking at Jesus in the gospel. It's just looking at Jesus of the Bible. Amen? Are you guys excited about that? That's good. Um, I believe in a world that is just very chaotic right now, we really need to put Jesus at the center. And so uh, would you join me in praying and let's, let's put him at the center of, of today right now. So Heavenly Father, we come to you. We ask that you would be the focus of this message. God, I pray that I would decrease and you would increase in me. And Lord, that the words that come out of my mouth would be inspired by your Holy Spirit. God, if there's any thought that I have that is not led of you, may I forget it before it comes out of my lips, out of my mouth. God, I pray that as I speak, your words would go into the hearts and the minds of everybody listening, whether here live and in person or watching online. God, we want to put you at the center of our lives. You are the center of our lives. Help us to recognize that and help us to align to that center uh, more today than we, than we have in the past. And God, help us to grow at making you the center and recognizing you as the center of our lives. And so, Lord, we give you this time and we ask that uh, you would just speak to each one of us. And we thank you for these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, if you want to follow along um, with the notes, you can go to the Uversion app. And if you click on the three little lines, click on that, you'll see events. You can click on events. Um, and you'll find Shine Church. You can follow along that way. Um, if you are new to Shine Church, sit back and enjoy what God has for you. Um, I do, while I'm teaching, ask questions and actually expect answers uh, back. And so we're going to have some interaction. Uh, so don't be like, what in the world's going on? Uh, it's just something that we have set up um, as, as a church. So I want to start with a scripture that last week as I was worshiping, uh, God reminded me of, and I know that I read it last week, but I didn't have it on the screen this week. Uh, I really believe that God wants us to focus our attention on some of this right here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, it says this, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God, which I believe last week we kind of talked about. If you want the wisdom from God, James says, if you want wisdom, ask for it and believe that you'll receive it. Don't waver, and he will give it to us in abundance. How does that wisdom come? Well, it comes from prayer, and we talked about the importance of praying last week. Then it goes on and says, wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And I felt like the Holy Spirit told me at worship last week, I want you to spend time on these things right here. And so today I want to focus on righteousness. I want to take a look at what Jesus said about it. I want to take a look at what Jesus did about it. And I want to take a look on how we can embrace it and involve it or um, embrace it into our hearts and to our lives. And so um, first, let's, let's look at what Jesus said about it. Jesus sets the standard when it comes to righteousness in Matthew chapter 5. Now, if you're familiar with scripture at all, you'll know that Matthew chapter 5 actually begins a three-chapter discourse on what we call the Sermon of the Mount. And it's just all this instruction in life. And I just want to pull something out that maybe you haven't realized in the middle of this. Matthew 5 verse 20, it says this, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to read it again. 
For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, Okay, in light of that scripture, Jesus teaching this, uh, how important is it to understand this righteousness? It's really, really important. And I would submit to you that if you put yourself in the shoes of these people listening, so Jesus is speaking to all these people, beginning the Sermon on the Mount, and this is one of the very first things he says, and as he's speaking it, can you imagine maybe the discouragement that would hit your heart as you heard these words? Because basically what he is saying is this, the Pharisees, who at that time were looked at by all these people as the most righteous of people, yes? They were keeping 613 laws if they could, and they were demanding that or requiring that of other people, and it was a group of people that they looked up to, and I imagine that as Jesus was saying this, this would be a little bit defeating because what he's saying is, unless your righteousness is greater than these men, you certainly cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't believe that Jesus was trying to discourage people. But I think a lot of times people read this and they think, wow, I can't, I can't live up to that. I can't do that. And um, so therefore, wow, how do, I, how do I get into the kingdom of heaven if I can't live up to those expectations? And church, here's what I would submit to you. I think that Jesus was trying to help them and all of us understand that we cannot accomplish this on our own. Gonna ask a question real quick. When you hear hear, uh, the term self-righteous, what comes to mind? Huh? Pharisee, okay. Something else. Arrogance, yeah. Pride. Self-reliance. Okay, right by our own self-standards, right? Is that, yeah, well, good, Kenny, love that. Performance. Anybody else? Somebody says, I am self-righteous. Huh? Solo gig. (laughs) Okay. Interesting, yeah, Malene. People who figured they, they got it all figured out better than anybody else. Anybody know this person? Uh, don't raise your hand. Um, don't be elbowing anybody. Um, I, but here's, here's the truth. Uh, do, do we not have people in this world that think they have it all figured out, that they are so right that they're killing everybody around them? Pastor John used to call it this way. He used to say it's a dead right. You, you are so Uh, you're so right that you're killing everything and everyone around you. And I think that's the perception that we get when we think about righteousness. But I want you to know, church, that that is not God's view about righteousness. It is a righteousness that we have placed in our mind, and I think it's a performance base that we have got and allowed into the church. And as it's infiltrated into this church, we think that anybody that is doing things right and you got to figure it all out you got to get it all straightened out that once I do all of that then I'll be righteous and I'm going to present to you today that it has absolutely nothing to do with you and some of you are like wait a second I thought it was all about me it's not second Corinthians teaches us this pick up the story in chapter 5 verse 17 therefore if anyone is in Christ The new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. I'm gonna read that again. Not counting people's sins against them. Is that an amen right there? Am I wrong in this? And please interrupt me and, and correct me. But if, if God 
God's heart is to create reconciliation through Jesus Christ so that he's not counting our sins against them. What is being said there is the mistakes you made on the way to church today, yesterday, this week, whenever you fell short, sin is missing the mark. So whenever you miss the mark, God doesn't count it against you. Yes? Who counts it against you? You. Me. I count. I, how many of you are really good sin counters on your own life? And it's interesting, and I know I've said this before, but they say it takes 10 positive things to overcome one negative thing. And so one mistake that you make, you have to do 10 positive things just to feel neutral about yourself. Yes? And I don't think that's the heart of God at all. He wants us to understand he's not counting our mistakes. He knew that you and I were going to make mistakes, and he sent his son Jesus anyways. That's good news. It goes on and says this, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Real quick, implore. What does that mean? Mark Marble's just like, ah, come on. What, what, implore. I implore. What does that mean? Beg. I, here, here's my interpretation. If you don't hear anything else today, get this. I'm begging you. I'm asking you, open your ears, open your heart, open your mind. Receive what's coming next. I implore you. You ready? I implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for you, us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So get the picture here. Jesus teaches that unless your righteousness succeeds, excels or goes above the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Paul teaches us here that, hey, it's not about what you do, it's about what Jesus did. And so Jesus sets the standard that we can't obtain. As a matter of fact, if you read the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, right after that it says this, I tell you, you've heard it say, do not commit murder. I tell you that if you've even been angry at anybody, you've committed murder. Anybody? While you're driving? If we take Jesus' words literal, what he's saying is when that guy cuts you off and you wave at him, you say something, in his perspective, you just committed murder through that act of anger. Yes? He's setting up in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount all of these things that we cannot do or we have a really hard time living up to. He talks about praying. He talks about fasting. He talks about all these different aspects. And basically, if you read through that section of Scripture, it's a great teaching. It's, man, oh, wow, this is the things that we should strive for and try to attain. But the truth is, I fall in those areas all the time. And what I believe Jesus is saying is, yes, in your own, you cannot do this. But it says, he who had no sin became sin so that we could be the righteousness of God. All right, righteousness. What is righteousness? If you look it up, this is what I do. I go to biblehub.com. You can click on each individual verse. There's a little section that says Greek or Hebrew if it's the Old Testament. You can click on it. It expands the verse, and you can get kind of the in-depth meeting of each word. I encourage you. You can do this at home. But I clicked on the verse, looked up righteousness. Here's what it means. Justice, justness, a divine righteousness. And here's what I really want you to hear. God's judicial approval, the approval of God, what is deemed right by the Lord. Let me read that section, that last verse again. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the approved, deemed right by God of him, of God. Church, did you wake up this morning and go, I'm righteous? Because you should have. According to the word of God, 
What Paul is trying to get us to understand is that we are the righteousness of God because of what Jesus did for us. Yes? In the Bible, the term righteousness or righteous is used 535 times. In other words, you could take one righteous or righteousness verse a day for a year and a half and just do a study on that for the next year and a half. Dude, that's amazing. 535 times this concept of righteous or righteousness is mentioned in the Bible. Here's what I want you to understand about these two words. The word righteousness, the word righteousness, I'm gonna have you guess actually. The word righteousness, is it a noun? Is it a verb? Or is it an adjective? It's a noun. It is a noun. Okay, let's go back to school. When you learned about English, a noun is what? Oh, you guys learned really well. What? Or an idea, person, place, or thing, or an idea, is that? Okay, all right. Person, place, thing, idea. Um, it is not anything you do. Yes? I don't know about you, but when I think about righteousness, I think about things I have to do. Yes? God wants us to understand. Paul's writing about it. They want us to get this. That when you think about righteousness, it is a gift given to you through Jesus Christ. It is a gift given to you by the heavenly father. He says, I have made a way that you could be called the righteousness of me. It is a gift, church. It's not something that you do or you don't do. And yet, how many people in capital C church are trying to obtain a righteousness so they can be in right standing with God? Janelle's definition of righteousness when we were talking about it was right standing. I think that's just great. Right standing. How many of us, don't lift up your hands, you don't have to respond to this, but how many of you are trying to do things or not do things so that you can have the righteousness of God? But do you know what Paul says? Hey, he who had no sin became sin so that we could be the righteousness of God, period. Gift. If you're a parent in here, have you ever given a gift to your kid at Christmas time? And was so excited. You couldn't wait till Christmas Day. You probably had more excitement than your kid did because you couldn't wait to see their eyes pop when they got that gift. Yes? Is it better to give or get? Give. Man, there's just an excitement. Yes? And so can you imagine that if you gave your kid a gift for Christmas and they rip it open and they were like, oh, that is awesome. I got to get things right before I can play with it. And yet, that's what we do, church. We go, oh, oh, ooh, yeah, yeah, that's good, amen, preach it, oh, yeah, ooh, ooh, ooh. Shelf it, let me get things right so that I can get to that gift later. The heart of God, the heart of your Father, is that you would take this gift of righteousness and you would start living in it, around it, through it, everything that you do. Um, <laughs> that you would have this understanding that you are the righteousness of God. And you would bust against all of those negative thoughts that we talked about when you think of righteousness and you would put on this concept, I am righteous. The word righteous, okay, let's look at that. Again, 535 times, righteousness or righteous. The word righteous, noun, verb, adjective. Adjective, it's a description. It has nothing to do with what you do. 535 times these two words are used in throughout the Bible and neither one of them has anything to do with what you do or don't do. Oh, that's good. Just let that sink in for a little bit. <laughs> On the count of three, I want you to say, I am righteous. One, two, three. I know some of you in here, that felt really weird. Because when we think of that statement, we think of all the things that we talked about early, pride, 
self-sufficient. Oh, hey, listen, I'm not, again, I'm not talking about something that you do, but you are righteous because of what Jesus did for you. You are righteous because of what he did for you. And when you wake up in the morning, if you look at yourself in the mirror, I want you to start looking at yourself and go, I am righteous. Doesn't matter what I did yesterday. Jesus, you're at the center of my life. And because of that, I am righteous. I am the righteousness of God because of what you did, Jesus. And let me live my life today through that righteousness, not through what I can do or can't do. Paul explains where this righteousness comes from in Philippians. Philippians 3, 8 through 9. What is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. Okay, real quick. In some translations, it actually says, I consider them dung. Dung. Poop. That's how important this concept of understanding the righteousness that Paul has through Jesus Christ and how he wants us to understand this. He says, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Think about who's writing this. Paul, who was one of those Pharisees, one of those people that were keeping the 613 laws, and he's going, it's not about what I do in keeping the law. It's solely about what Jesus has done, and I think everything else is garbage other than knowing this thing about Jesus. And then I have the righteousness, not from my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. All right, so let's talk about faith. Hebrews eleven six says, faith, it is impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. I'll unpack the later, second half of that in a minute. So that's a pretty strong scripture. It is impossible to please God without faith. So if we don't have this faith in our life, we're not pleasing God. Would you agree with that? Yes? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is being sure of things hoped for, being certain of things we can't see. Hold on a second. In order for me to please God, I have to be certain of things I don't see? Anybody else struggle with this? Dude. If the only way I can please God is to be certain of things that I don't see, I'm struggling. I'm struggling here. Thank God Paul wrote in Romans where faith comes from so that we can have an understanding. This is what he writes in Romans. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So faith, this thing that helps us to please God, comes from hearing, hearing from the word of Christ. Now let's go back to last week. How important is praying now? We have to pray. We have to communicate to our Heavenly Father because if we don't, then we're not going to have faith and therefore it's going to be hard to please God. And I would submit in light of this subject, it's going to be hard to live in the righteousness of God if we're not hearing from Him. Hmm. You know one of Jesus' last prayers? This is what he says. Chapter 16, he's praying. Uh, chapter 16, verse 13. This is what Jesus says. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Who's the you? It's not your question, guys. Who's the you? Oh, man. Please say it out loud. Who's the you? It's us. 
John 3, or John 16, 13. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. I, church, listen, I think the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And the thing that he's going to destroy, that he would love to destroy, is the power of prayer and the ability for you and I to hear his voice. See, Jesus said, it is better that I go so that this counselor could come so that you could have direct access to the Father. Do you believe it? You and I have direct access to the Father. Why? Because the Father wants us to understand him and he wants us to understand how to navigate in these times. And I submit to you that in order to navigate in these times, you have to change your position in righteousness and you have to go, I am righteous in God. And when you have that confidence and that boldness, then you're going to come to a place where you can make an impact in this world because you understand that because of what Jesus did, you are right and you can make an impact in this world. If the enemy tells you that you can't hear from God, then guess what? You'll be discouraged. You won't know what to do and you'll get your input from Facebook, news reports, family, friends, neighbors, whatever. Church, you are righteous. You have the righteousness of God because of what Jesus did. Start proclaiming that with boldness. Stop saying, I'm confused. I can't hear from God. I'm righteous. He speaks. Oh, man. Unpack this a little bit. Faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing through the word of Christ. Faith. Noun or verb? A verb over here, a noun over here. Hope you'll never forget this. Faith. Noun. Gift of God. Nothing you do. This is faith. Faith is a gift that comes through Jesus Christ. Ugh. I struggle on this because a lot of times we mix up and I think the enemy has clouded what faith is because they'll say, what faith are you? Well, I mean, this is on faith. No, faith only comes through Jesus Christ. It's a belief system. Islam is a belief system, but Christianity, it's a belief system that has the promise of the gift of faith. It's a noun. It's a person, place, or thing, and I want to submit to you that it is a gift of God that came through Jesus Christ. When he died and he rose again, the gift of faith was given to every believer that asked Jesus into his heart. How much of the Holy Spirit did you get when you asked him in? all. So guess what? You received all of this gift. But faith comes by hearing. Hearing. Noun or verb? Verb all the way around the room. It's a noun. It's a noun. Hearing is a noun. How can that even be? Because it's a gift of God. What he's saying is this. The gift of faith comes from the gift of my voice. Jesus died so we could have direct access to the Father, and I want to give you the gift of hearing me. His heart is to speak to you and I. His gift to you and I is that he will make himself known to you and I. We don't have to go to the high priest anymore to hear from the heart of God. He says this, my gift that I give to you through Jesus Christ, several gifts obviously, but one of them is to be able to have the ability to hear my voice. And when you hear my voice, guess what? It gives you the gift of faith. Faith gives you the ability to be certain of things that you don't see, being sure of what you hope for. And then you can please me. Now listen to the second half of Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The series is called Jesus at the Center. My question is, what are you earnestly seeking? Because if you earnestly seek Jesus, I believe that you're going to receive the gift of his voice, which is going to stir faith, which then ultimately puts you in a position to please God because you understand your righteousness and that you are righteous. And as you receive those things, you'll begin to realize that God earnestly goes after to give you these gifts. Do you see it? 
The more we open our heart to God, the more he just downloads and gives us understanding of the gifts that he wants us to embrace. Romans 10, 17 talks about faith comes by hearing, hearing from the word of God. The very next verse is, they did not hear. That here is a verb. That here is the action. What God is saying is this, church, will we take time to hear from God? Will we go after him with all of our heart? Final thought, and then uh, we got a little thing that we want to do. Um, the word obey, the word obey in the New Testament, when you look it up, do you know what it means in the Greek? Let me, let me rephrase that. What do you think the word obey means? Hearing and doing. Anybody else? Follow? What? Comply? Anybody else? Huh? Submit? Look it up. This week, go and look up the word obey. And you will find that the Greek word means to listen. It means to listen. I would think it'd be com compliance. I think it would be like, oh, I got to do these things. I gotta. It means to listen. And it does say part of the definition is to listen with obedience. But so many times we think it has to do with being compliant or to doing the first aspect of obedience is actually to hear. It's to hear. It's to hear. Church, my heart for this whole message is that you would come to an understanding that you are righteous. You have the righteousness of God. Psalms 55.22 says something to the effect of this. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. I know we get shaken. I get it. We're human beings. We live in a life that can bring trials and tribulations that can actually shake us to the core of who we are. But the heart of God, church, is that we have this understanding that we are righteous in him. The righteousness of God is a gift that he wants us to embrace and live from and live in. Stop trying to perform for God. For whoever, who, whoever needs to hear this, stop trying to perform for God. But understand that God loves you just as you are. Now, the truth is he loves you so much that he won't let you stay where you're at. But he's not going to make you do a bunch of do's and don'ts. He's going to start putting in your heart his voice and his call. And as you hear that, it'll be your great joy to step out because you're hearing from God. And guess what? You'll be transformed from glory to glory to glory, not based on anything that you do or how you perform, but solely based on how you hear from God and step out on what he's saying. Oh, that is good. All right, so here's what I want to do. What, this is going to come into more of an interaction portion at this point, what hinders what hinders us? What hinders you? Or maybe you can see it in somebody else. What hinders us from fully receiving this righteousness? Okay? Shame. All right, real quick. Um, let's talk about shame real quick. Kim, you want to help me out? It's interesting. Uh, Mason, you say shame. Janelle actually had a word during worship about shame. So God's trying to do something. I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, if you would be so bold, if you are struggling with shame in here this morning or this week, or you, you're just struggling with shame, and you would be willing to admit that, would you just lift up your hand? Yep, 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 yep. All right, here's what we're going to do. Let's pray against this. Let's get some freedom from shame. I'll start, but then I'm going to ask you to pray as well. Now, you hear from God. So as you get a thought, as I'm praying, if God gives you a picture, a scripture, or a thought that could be encouraging or edifying, I'm willing to bet he's asking you to pray about this. 
Don't let the second thought talk you out of it. Because God will give you something, and then the enemy will come in and go, that's stupid. Don't ever pray that out loud. And I'm telling you, the more he says it's stupid, the stronger that word probably is. So let's just be obedient, listen, and let's pray, and let's break shame off of people right now, all right? Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, and we embrace and understand that we are the righteousness of God because of what you did for us, Jesus. And because of that, there is no shame. The scripture that comes to mind is there is now therefore no condemnation in those who seek and serve the Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us when we struggle with shame, those that are struggling right now with shame. God, I pray that you would break that off and help us to understand that you do not see us in that light, not even a fraction of a percent. That that shame is coming from the enemy and the word of God says that we resist the enemy and he must flee. So we resist you, devil, and we say, leave these individuals alone, break off the shame from these people, Lord, give them freedom and set them free, I pray in your name. Somebody else want to pray about shame? Just lift your hand and we'll get your mic. Um, Ezekiel eleven nineteen, And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh mm-hmm. that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. As someone who's walked through shame before and done a lot of work on it, Lord, I just pray that you would bring freedom to anyone whose heart is beating fast, just like mine, that you want to bring freedom to their lives. You want them to walk in that freedom so that nothing, no arrows, uh, no condemnation uh, rests in their spirit, that it is all just walking in, in your in your love and your grace and mercy. Um, Ezekiel also talks about that, that we know that I am God, that we just know that through actions and through the things that God does in our lives, that we know that he is God. For Psalms 34, it says that those that look to you are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. So God, I thank you that in this room right now, as we look to you, we've raised our hands, we've acknowledged this, we've, in a sense, confessed this before you and one another right now. God, I thank you that you remove, remove that shame, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for shining faces, God, for radiant faces in this room with an ability, Lord, that you are the lifter of our heads, God. You're the lifter of every countenance in this room, Jesus, as we look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, God. I thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes us clean, Lord, and we just throw ourselves on your mercy seat, Jesus, this morning. And we thank you, Lord, that this is your heart and your desire for us, God. We just say that shame has no place, that shame has no hold any longer in the name of Jesus on your people. We just speak your name, Lord, and your life and your truth. Amen. Yeah, Father, I thank you so much for your freedom. It's ridiculous. It's awesome. And I just want to pray for for those in this room and myself even who have, have taken shame to you and know that you... You forgive it, you pardon it, but there's still that unforgiveness towards themselves. And I just pray right now for grace over all of us to forgive ourselves for things of the past. Lord, you don't hold on to anything. You don't hold grudges, and there's no shame in being a child of God. And so I just pray right now for just the grace to, for, to forgive ourselves, Lord, and to step into that freedom that you are just so freely extending to us, Lord. Um, Jeremiah 2.2 says, I remember the devotion of your youth and how as a bride you followed me into a land not yet sown. And um, I just get this picture of people who, um, and I can relate to this, of just um, 
looking at a lot of barren fields and feeling shame and like a lot of empty spaces that you expected God to fill or you expected to fill yourself. And I just feel like in this time where you've felt the sleep um, that he's been sowing and that he will reap a harvest in those fields, in those places. I'm reminded of um, the garden where Adam and Eve fell. Um, it says that three things entered in. Um, they hid, yeah? They blamed, and they felt shame. Um, I want you to understand that if you're feeling shame, it's just an indicator light from God to help us to realize I'm not living from the center of Jesus in my life in that moment. Does that make sense? I believe that he gives us those indicator lights. If you're blaming somebody, that's a little indicator light of not having Jesus or living from the Jesus at the center. Or if there's hiding, if you're hiding anything, it's an indicator light. If you have shame, it's just simply a God-given indicator light to you and I. Hey, God, I need to, I need to live from the center. Don't be condemned by that. Just go to Jesus and say, God, let me live from who you are. Let me live from my righteousness and not from this thing or things I did or didn't do. Does that make sense? It's good. Isaiah 45 says, Israel has been saved by the Lord with an everlasting salvation. You will not be put to shame or humiliated to all eternity. Mm. So put your name or put I have been saved by the Lord with an everlasting salvation, I will not be put to shame or humiliated to all eternity. Whew. Thank you, Lord. All right, let's, oh, Kim, do you want, yeah, let's go ahead and have Kim. Kim, give the Kim. I think the thing that rings true to me is, is that, so I'm just going to put it in the form of a prayer. Lord Jesus, I just lift up everyone here today, Lord Jesus. I pray, Father, that what I, what I just picture is just all of us just bearing our heart, our soul, our mind, our, every part of our being and giving up control. We have to give up control, Lord Jesus. We give up control right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. We ask, Father, that you would pour out your spirit on everyone here, Father, and that you would bless them, Lord Jesus. Mm. Bless them for being vulnerable. Bless them for coming here and experiencing your sanctuary, Lord. We love this bubble that we're in. It's beautiful, Father, and we bathe in it, Lord Jesus. And we thank you for your blood that, sacri you, that you sacrificed, that you pour over over us for Lord Jesus, giving up our entire being, knowing that you're in control and we give you all the praise and all the glory, mm. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, oh, you guys are prayer warriors. I love it. All right. Something else that hinders us from receiving righteousness. Something else. We have shame that obviously tries to take uh, that away. So what is something else? What? Fear. Fear of what? Fear of failure. I actually put in my notes, fear of the cost of believing. Think about that. If I actually live from a place of righteousness, if I really do believe I'm righteous in him, uh, he may actually, if I'm listening, right, he may actually ask me to do things that maybe in my flesh I do not want to do, yes? And I think that that's a real issue. Um, how many of you would be willing to admit that maybe there's just a little bit of fear uh, in you that keeps you from that righteousness? Oh man, all over the room. Let's pray. Anybody want to lead out? Father God, we thank you that your love casts out fear. Mm. Oh, we thank yeah. you that your kindness draws us to repentance. It draws us to your heart. And um, Father, as we look at the cost of following you, um, Lord, I thank you that to walk with you is the greatest joy that we could have. To see your glory come in this world. To see people know and understand 
your mercy and be drawn to you, to be reconciled to you. God, there is nothing, nothing more fun, nothing more life-giving. Um, and Father, there's nothing that, that you ask of us that won't immediately become worthless as soon as we hand it to you. Um, but we ask, Lord, that your love for us, that we would rest in a love that, that makes that fear powerless. And we thank you that your love is so generous with us and that your mercy is so generous with us, Lord. Don't let fear keep you from praying. Father, your word says uh, that we have not been given a spirit of fear or we do not have fear. Fear does not come from you. But instead, you've given us power, love, and a sound mind. You have not given us timidity. You have not given us uh, something for us to shrink back or uh, tools to shrink back. Instead, you've given us tools to, to lean in, to be forward moving, to be uh, powerful, <laughs> loving, and, and thinking the way that we're supposed to think. So I pray against the, that idea that, that any of us are or to grab onto the thing that causes us to be less or to not live in our full potential. Uh, Dan, you talked about the fear of the cost. And he says, are you tired or worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. As Bill was praying that, um, I just had this thought, I, is anybody getting a picture of overcoming fear or a, a picture of, in regards to the light of fear, anybody getting a picture? You're shaking your head yes. Would you share it? Um, I was just thinking about a lot of things in my past that um, condemned me easily and I was such a loud person and I was a show off and I was attacked and attacked and I just withdrew and I thought, wait a minute, that was the way I was supposed to be. I just let people tell me, no, no, you can't do that, that's, that's bad. So hearing all this made me realize I, I need to step out more into who I really am and, and not listen to those people that are naysaying around me. Oof. That's good. That is good. All right. I want to ask for one more. What keeps us from receiving this righteousness? Oh, you you want to pray? Let one more prayer on fear. Oh, oh yeah. What? Lack lack of trust. Trust of what? A fear that God won't show up. I, can I can I? Spin that, and then I'll ask if anybody struggles with this. If it's a fear of God won't show up, is it really a fear of not hearing? That he won't, okay. All right, Any, anybody else struggle with the concept or the idea that I can hear from God, that he'll show up, that he'll speak to me? Okay. Let's pray about that. Let's bring some freedom into the fact that clearly from the word of God, he wants us to hear from him. I will start this one um, and then anybody else that wants to be included in that. Heavenly Father, I 
come to you right now. And Lord, I believe with all of my heart that one of the greatest schemes of the enemy is to try to, um, try to get us to doubt or not believe that you're going to come through and speak to us. And so, um, as Kyler was just mentioning, God, stir up a trust in our hearts that this was your plan and this was your desire, that you would speak to each one of us. That it doesn't have to be a pastor or somebody who's in a full-time ministry position, but Lord, you speak to every single person that seeks you out. And so, Lord, I pray that you would break that mindset, that those thoughts that don't line up according to what your purpose and plan was. And God, we come against the enemy that it, stealing away the thoughts that you want to give to us. Help us to become very good at hearing those thoughts. And God, I pray that the clarity of your voice would come in and begin to set us free. As we hear you, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And God, we understand that your spirit is with us always. So God, if we fully grab a hold of this, everywhere we go, there is freedom. Because you are with us. So help us to get to know your voice really well. Reminded of the scripture that said, uh, my sheep know my voice. God, help us to become really good at hearing your voice. I'm reminded of a picture I got last night of a little kid in a big department store. Has lost his parents. Is about to lose his mind. But then his dad yells out his name. And he knows in that instant, he's okay. God, help us to hear your heart and hear your voice in that way. That when things are shaken around us, we would hear you calling our name. And that would instantly bring that peace into our hearts. Break us free from the doubt that you won't speak to us. This is uh, God's revelation to Elijah. It's First uh, Kings nineteen eleven through thirteen. It says then he said, "Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord." And behold, the Lord passed by, <clears throat> and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was, and when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood before the entrance in the cave. And suddenly that voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And I just ask, Lord, that as we want to hear your voice, that you would separate your voice from the noise. Mm. <laughs> that we would not be caught up in what we should be hearing or what seems like you but is not. And that we would be able to recognize, like Dan just said, the voice of a father calling his children. And that we would submit to that voice, but that we wouldn't feel the pressure to give way to the wind or the earthquake or the fire in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, and I wanted to um, thank you that you care about us and that you want what's best for us, and that I just pray that we will just realize that you're not going to ask something of us that's not going to benefit your kingdom, and that's not going to benefit us, and that's not, like, good, and I just, I pray that we will realize to start, like, praying for faith instead of clarity, and just certain situations of just, like, craziness, that we will have faith that you know what's right and that you know what's best instead of, like, wanting everything to work out just, like, in what we in a ways that we think that it should work out. Um, Lord, in, just in light of this conversation and what Pastor Dan preached last Sunday, um, I just want to repent uh, myself and as a people that uh, just of the idolatry of this biblical God that, that doesn't speak, that we think we know and we, we just uh, assume that you're not speaking. And we're, we're so quick, I'm so quick uh, to assume that you don't have anything to say about that or what we're going through 
or I rarely look up to heaven and say, God, what do you, what do you want me to know about this? What are you saying right now? And so, Father, we, we repent of that, um, that early on, the very first verses of the Bible, it says, then God said, let there be light. Before we knew anything about you, you wanted us to know that you are a God that speaks and your words are powerful. And so, Father, we, we confess that we are so slow. You're like the 10th, 11th, 12th person we go to to actually say, God, what do you say? And so, Father, we repent of that. And we ask that you would make us a people that turn to you first before anyone else. Heavenly Father, as I was thinking about this this subject, I was I wish I could pray that we can crush our misunderstandings of how open you are to us just as we are, and that by just believing in you, we have righteousness, and that we will just feel that peace in your presence and know that we're walking with you every day, and that's all that you ask of us. And I say these things in Jesus' name, amen. Heavenly Father, I just uh, encourage us all to continue to use our resources. I, God, I, I ask, uh, I need to repent because I don't always listen. And uh, because listening comes in different ways. It comes when we're praying. It comes when uh, our heart is at peace. It comes in fellowship with others where we sharpen each other. If I could steal your phrase from last night, Dan. Um, comes when we worship, we listen to the words of our our worship leaders. Um, so God, I just uh, I just pray for those moments in which that that time at which we do hear that it's not necessarily with our ears, it could be with our heart as well. And um, I appreciate those moments. In your name, we pray. All right, I put a few other things, um, and we, these are things that you can be praying about throughout the week if this is a struggle. Um, this is, you guys, this is awesome. Um, I have come the last two weekends afraid that no one would pray. Um, and you guys have just been amazing. Thank you. Uh, I will say this again. If you prayed, the enemy is going to love to whisper and say that was dumb. <laughs> Was there any dumb prayer in here? Absolutely not. They were incredible. As a matter of fact, I would submit this. The scripture that came out, the pictures that came out, the encouraging words, man, it's so edifying. It, it was so much more than I could ever give to you. There's so many different things that other people brought into this that I couldn't bring to you. If you didn't pray, the enemy would love to tell you, you should have prayed, you should have prayed. Uh, I had somebody last night tell me that last week they had something, they didn't pray it, the devil kind of pounded on him. And so last night he was like, I was praying. I don't care what it was about. <laughs> I was like, okay, awesome. Uh, but don't let the enemy, there's no condemnation. So uh, pray it at home. Pray it on your way home. Pray it throughout this week. But here's some other hindrances. Um, James says that um, it, anger will take away the righteousness. And if you look up that word anger, it actually means impulse. I believe fleshly impulses will steal away our understanding that we're righteous. Yes, when we react that way. Um, how about religiousness? Uh, we'll steal away that righteousness, self-reliance. If that is you, pray about that this week and ask God to replace it with his understanding of righteousness. Um, relationships that don't sharpen. Jim prayed a little bit, but when you're in with relationships with people that aren't sharpening you, that can steal away your understanding of your righteousness and that you're righteous. Um, doubt, unbelief. Um, if, if any of those resonate, just ask God to replace those things with the understanding that you are righteous. Um, so here's what we're going to do. Um, 
if you're anything like me, when you hear something like this, uh, it really helps me to take a moment to be able to reflect. And so I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. We're going to sing one more song. And what I would love for you to do right now is just ask the Holy Spirit, um, what is the thing that you want me to take out of this room? What is the thing that you want to set me free from? What is the thing that you want me to, uh, to walk and listen and, and walk out in the, that obedience because I'm hearing from you? What is he speaking to you? And just let's give a moment just to, to kind of do a little self-reflection. As soon as the song's done, you guys are dismissed. Have a great rest of your weekend and have an incredible week. And thank you guys. This has been so amazing.